I love you, but you don't know what you're talking about. Today we're talking about fans of filmmaker Wes Anderson. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Fathropological. My name is Nick G, and today we are here to talk about fans of auteur filmmaker Wes Anderson. And here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick T. Uh, you can just call me a man-child because I must be in a Wes Anderson movie. All right, I hope this is not foreshadowing for how the rest of this episode is going. I'm Nick T. Look at me. I'm zany and wacky. Uh... <laughs> and Nick Z. I just got back from a high school production of Serpico. I am so ready for this. Oh, man. What? All right. <laughs> I'm so lost. I think that's a trend that might continue through this episode. Yep. Uh, perhaps. Perhaps. That's okay, because I'm going to give us some bearings. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take my shot, put it in a lot of like you know rectilinear configurations, <laughs> make sure it's very symmetric. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set us up for success. All right. As G mentioned, we were talking about Wes Anderson, his fans, etc. I'm going to tell you a little bit about who Wes Anderson is as a person in like a very concise amount of time and dig into some other data that I got about Wes Anderson and Wes Anderson fans. As you may know, Wes Anderson is an American film director, producer, screenwriter, and actor known for his peculiar visual and narrative style. His films and himself have been nominated for and have won many different awards. He has directed nine feature-length films since 1996. I thought that number was higher. It is only nine by the looks of things. Yep. Yeah. The number of Tarantino films will also surprise you. Four. I think it might be about nine now. Okay. But like, yeah. um, from this quote on Wikipedia, Anderson is regarded by many as a modern-day example of the auteur. He has received consistent praise from critics for his work and three of his films, namely The Royal Tenenbaums, Moonrise Kingdom, and The Grand Budapest Hotel, appeared in BBC's 2016 poll of the greatest films since 2000. So that's a very brief amount about Mr. Wes Anderson. Uh, I did collect some search data, which was the most interesting pattern I've seen to date. Okay. So, as we know, Google Trends data goes from 2004 to the present. From 2004 to about January of 2012, relatively flat. There's some spiky bits, not a lot of change. All of a sudden, January 2012 spikes up, comes down a bit, and then is flat, but at a different point. It's like suddenly something happened, and then people were like, oh yeah, this Wes Anderson guy is pretty good, I guess. I'm guessing that Moonrise Kingdom happened. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so I, I looked at the spikes and tried to figure out when they are. And conveniently, they line up with a lot of movie releases. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was a spike in October of 2007, which corresponds to the Darjeeling Limited. Uh, June 2012, which was, of course, Moonrise Kingdom. March 2014, the Grand Budapest Hotel. February 2015, which was a mystery to me. But it turns out it's when he won a BAFTA award for Best Original Screenplay for the Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and april 2018 why would why would there be any any particular thing <laughs> around that time that's ridiculous 
It's because people love dogs. That's true. People it's literally love, true. People love because dogs. people do love dogs. Maybe Wes Anderson doesn't, <laughs> but everybody else does. Um, I mean, he said that there's a hidden message in the <laughs> title of his latest film <laughs> that tells you his personal opinion of dogs. Yeah. Uh, April 2018, Isle of Dogs. Yeah. Yeah. As usual, I have the top countries by search volume. Do the two of you want to guess which country is on top? Sure. Japan. Japan, okay. And? USA. USA. <laughs> USA. All right. Z, you almost have 10th place. Ooh. Whoa. Almost. Thanks. I mean, by some measure of almost. G, you are 100% correct. USA. <laughs> USA. For interest's sake, was Singapore in the top 10? Yes, it was Singapore. Yeah. Singapore was number 10. <laughs> Guys, never bet against Singapore. I think we need to do an episode related to Singapore. I want to know what's going on. I would love to do that. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious because, like, it routinely shows up in the top 10 in things that I do not expect it to be in. Yeah. But for reverence, the other countries in the top 10 list uh, United States, Canada, New Zealand. Ireland, Australia, United Kingdom, Sweden, Italy, Norway, and Singapore. Could you believe that there are a lot of like English-speaking white countries? <laughs> it's crazy. I'm shocked. Shocked. Yeah. You're shook. I'm, yeah, I'm shook. You're shook. <laughs> Amazing. I did manage to extrapolate some data about how big the fandom might be. Mm-hmm. It's a loose number because I think there's a lot of overlap between Wes Anderson fans and general movie and cinema fandom. Mm-hmm. But for reference, uh, there are 12,000 subscribers on the Wes Anderson subreddit. Mm-hmm. There are over 60,000 ratings on Bottle Rocket, which I might argue is one of the <laughs> less popular Wes Anderson movies. Yeah, I would say unarguably the least, <laughs> the least popular. popular. Good. Okay, so I picked yeah. a good one then. It's the only one that doesn't have Bill Murray in it. Oh, well, that says a lot, too. I guess we have to figure out the intersection between Bill Murray fans and Wes Anderson and movie fans. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> there are over 220,000 subscribers on the accidental Wes Anderson subreddit. I was going to bring that up. Please tell Our me. Wes more. Anderson has 12,000. Yep. Accidental Wes Anderson has 223,000. Yep. I guess if it's just like an Instagram thing, it's it's lower bar. Yeah. Well, you just is is accidental Wes Anderson just full of pictures? Mostly. Yeah. I think it started on Instagram. Uh, and it's like people kind of like finding pictures or taking pictures in real life that like, oh, this looks like it could be in a Wes Anderson movie. Uh, so you get like a strong contrast of colors and very symmetrical looking and, and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if it's any consolation, Moonrise Kingdom, which, as I mentioned earlier, is probably one of the more popular um, Wes Anderson movies, has over 270,000 ratings on IMDb. Yeah, it's some. Oh yeah. So we ne- we have a very wide spectrum of like how many fans there might be. Mm-hmm. So there's probably like hundreds of thousands of fans that are like average levels of dedication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say because Moonrise Kingdom is so popular. It's it's hard to say if the two hundred seventy thousand are just like this is a popular movie, <laughs> or it's like Wes Anderson is so good. Sixteen point three million at the box office, baby. I, wow. Is, is that good? Is that bad? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
It's more than its budget, which is okay. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was okay. gonna say. It's interesting because I thought that the watershed, Wes Anderson, that's like, oh, people are are getting onto what this guy's doing now in a wider context was Grand Budapest Hotel, because huh. that's the first one that I was able to watch in like Cineplex, huh. as opposed to you know little art house theater. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember where I saw Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, that might have been in there. In fact, that was almost different because it was an animated movie. Yeah. Got robbed though. Oh yeah. The last best animated feature because he was against Up. Oh. oh. Yeah. Yep. Well. Mm-hmm. Too bad. <laughs> Sorry, Wes. <laughs> That's just a tough hand to be dealt. Oh yeah. Yeah, like that person in Up at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> that was a tough hand. That was. <laughs> yep. Ooh. Would you believe that I actually might have gotten us some demographics this time? Oh, I'm excited to hear this. Yeah. I also have expectations of what they are. Okay. (laughs) This is very loose because when we're looking at movies, we have the advantage of I can pull from other sources like IMDb. Mm -hmm. And that data may not be 100% accurate. They could be bots, whatever. But it gives us just a tiny little bit more information. So I'll start with the information I got from IMDb looking at Moonrise Kingdom. Because I didn't feel like amalgamating the results from like nine different movies. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, looking at Moonrise Kingdom, gender predominantly male, sixty-three percent, mm. not too far from even. Uh, mm-hmm. Age largest group is folks aged thirty to forty-four at about thirty-seven percent, mm-hmm. uh, followed by folks aged eighteen to twenty-nine. So like almost entirely those two groups, eighteen to forty-four, mm-hmm. maybe not a useful categorization. Maybe not. Maybe not. Because it was pretty close between those two groups. Uh, But in a stranger source of information, (laughs) there's a website called YouGov, which I think is supposed to be about governance and politics. Mm. And they have a page on Wes Anderson for some reason. (laughs) And you can see how like fans of Wes Anderson compared to, uh, what does it say? Competitors. So I don't know who a competitor to Wes Anderson is, but for example, Wes Anderson fans tend to be younger than competitors and they tend to be a lot more female than competitors and a lot more left-leaning than competitors. I mean, I believe that 100%. (laughs) That doesn't surprise me knowing very much. I'm very curious about competitors. (laughs) <laughs> I'll include the link in the show notes and you can try to figure what the heck they mean. Because <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, who is the right-leaning whimsical director? Uh, Christopher Nolan. Ah! I can see that. If I'm wrong, just send yeah. mail to us and yeah. I'll probably just admit that I'm wrong because I have no idea in this, this arena. T at the nextcast.com yeah. <laughs> I'm getting a lot of hate mail. but. Uh, that was all the fandom facts that i could collect for this episode because again mostly known for nine separate films which for all i know mm-hmm. could have nine very different fandoms i took a quick peek mm-hmm. on archive of our own moonrise kingdom has like 10 fanfics wow i get the impression that despite many fun whimsical aspects of uh, wes anderson films people are not writing a lot of fanfic about it uh no no yeah no i no, I feel like it's not the narratives that are grabbing people for Wes Anderson films. No, and normally there'd be a nice little segue here where we would talk about famous last words, <laughs> but due to a scheduling conflict, we don't have any famous last words. Nope. I can make some up right now. <laughs> I mean, we like, like, let's say, like, 
what is something that that you know you thought was interesting or surprised you doing the research for this? Oh, that's a good question. I can go first if you guys need a minute. I, you can go. You can go ahead. Yep. All right. So I was cruising our Wes Anderson. Yeah. Though I am a fan of Wes Anderson, uh, I I have never been to the subreddit. Okay. Spoilers for the verdict, I guess. <laughs> okay. But I couldn't believe the amount of threads in this subreddit that were dedicated to, like, getting stuff. Getting stuff. Like, understanding? No, no. Like, promotional memorabilia from the various movies. Oh. Yeah. Like, now you can enjoy the authentic on-set scout uniforms from... Moonrise Kingdom? Or the tea from Darjeeling Unlimited? Yeah, it's like they had these uh, promotional little soaps for uh, Darjeeling oh, sorry, Unlimited. Or, <laughs> or there are these uh, these scraps for Isle of Dogs that you can get. And uh, it's dog tag. And I got a recreation of Boy with Apple from uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. <laughs> and like, <laughs> like, there were a lot. I couldn't believe how much stuff there was of, of that. But yeah. I suppose it makes sense. Yeah. We're probably going to get into why it makes sense too, because so much of it is visual style, right? Mm-hmm. That's all that all that memorabilia is is a memento of visual style. Yeah. So I was like, okay. I mean, I've never I've never wanted to own Wes Anderson things that weren't the movies, but I sort of get <laughs> why people do. Yeah. Kind of following off of that. Uh, speaking of his style, I was surprised to find that he had uh, designed his own cafe in milan in italy mm-hmm. and i think the ground floor of the fondazione prada mm-hmm. the prada building in milan uh, it's called bar loose bar loose there are no accents or anything over the like the the c or the e in loose so i'm just pronouncing it loose not luce although my uh italian. knowledge of italian uh, <laughs> means i could be wrong so Barluce or Barluce, either way, mm-hmm. it's this uh, little tiny little cafe, and uh, somewhat surprisingly, it is completely asymmetrical. Oh, that is surprising. <laughs> what? Surprised me a lot, but it was really interesting because he gave his reasoning for this, you know, since he's so well known for his very symmetrical shots and all that sort of thing in his movies. Uh, he said, this is a space for real life, and it's the kind of place where he would want to sit there and write a movie instead of shoot a movie. Okay, hmm. that makes sense. The kind of place where he would like to enjoy his non-fictional afternoons. Whoa. <laughs> but aren't the stories that he writes in his movies really just non-fiction? Oh, man. Disguised as fiction. <laughs> it's all just a long autobiography. Just stories told in a different way. Um <laughs> What I found the most interesting about Wes Anderson fandom and Wes Anderson and all that was two things. Mm-hmm. The first thing being that subreddits, the accidental <laughs> Wes Anderson. I, I learned that I'm fairly positive that the thing that people know most about Wes Anderson, and I'm certainly in this camp, is his visual style and all that ridiculousness. I was watching an episode of Family Guy. They lampooned the crap out of his style it's like oh really oh yeah there was it was uh, one of those episodes where it's like a three-parter and they have three different stories and they're like okay this is what family guy would look like if it was made by wes anderson <laughs> and it's like the griffins lived in a, a lighthouse that was located within a barn 
that was located under a t- an army tent that had been disused since the 18 whatevers. <laughs> like, oh man. And then they would cut to an interior that doesn't match any of that. <laughs> so, I mean, that was probably the biggest thing that I had observed doing the research. Also, and I don't think this is a slight against Wes Anderson so much as this is perhaps a slight against auteurs, or maybe that he is so well known for his artistic style. I saw a lot of articles about not being a fan or not getting Wes Anderson films. I mean, that's something that I see come up a lot. Yeah. Free Wes Anderson. Yeah. And I guess that's a bit more surprising because when we've done research on other episodes, there's haters. There's haters everywhere. But it's usually not one of the f- the first few things to come up. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of ones that we've done where it was Twilight. Obviously, was uh, yeah, yeah. Twilight. The detractors were were pretty Leafs? pretty upfront. Leafs, Leafs, yeah. Maybe not so much Kiss, but Gene Simmons. <laughs> yeah, that's true. A divisive figure. Yeah, but not mm-hmm. not a lot of fandoms where like the dislike of the thing is as prominent as the thing. Yeah, I still didn't find that people disliking Wes Anderson was was equal to no 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 not even close. No. But it was it was something that showed up fairly noticeable. I didn't have to dig for it that much. Yeah, there's no question that he leaves some people in the cold <laughs> based on how his his style like yeah it's not for everyone. Yeah, so mm-hmm. let's let's dig into that. Let's not even get to the why. Let's start with the what. How do you know that you're even watching a Wes Anderson <laughs> film? Like, you're listening to this podcast and you're like, cool, some art guy that I haven't seen anything from. Because he's only made nine movies. We're not talking about, <laughs> like, Spielberg or Lucas. Uh, they, they, I don't even think they've made a lot of movies. But, like, those are movies that people have almost assuredly seen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, like, what is it about Wes Anderson's movies? What do they look like? Let's describe them in audio because you're not watching this. Yeah, let's describe a picture in <laughs> yeah, audio. That perfect. Is Amazing. The best use of the medium. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I said, if you go to the very popular accidental Wes Anderson subreddit, you'll see. Uh, <laughs> I think we, met, we mentioned several times now symmetry. And I'd say, like, really stark contrasting colors, like really bright colors and then against very muted colors. Mm-hmm. I heard the colors described as an art nouveau palette i see you and i watched the same video (laughs) Uh, yeah there was a a youtube video called you know it's wes anderson if Mm yeah and what was interesting when they described the art nouveau colors is like you know it's something that you would expect like say blue but then it's just like a half shade different instead of being blue it's navy instead of being yellow it's mustard and everything's just like you put it through an instagram filter (laughs) Yeah, basically. Just to give it a little bit of something something faded, something like an old film. Not quite a sepia tone, but the color's a little washed out. Yeah, Technicolor. I don't know if it's that, but uh, yeah, I guess so. Kind of kind of evocative of like the Wizard of Oz kind of coloring. Yeah, like exaggerated. Yeah. But not like vibrant. No. No. <laughs> but yeah, very... I mean, at the bottom of this discussion of this riveting discussion of color yep. is uh, that they're very stylistic and very stylish in terms of their appearance. Let me put this in another in another way. Sure. I think I can uh, sum it all up. So all of Wes Anderson's movies up to Fantastic Mr. Fox 
were set in present day. Phantasmatch Fox is kind of its own fantasy sort of mm-hmm. thing, but they're all set in present day. Whereas Moonrise Kingdom takes place during the 60s. Uh, I didn't notice. Yeah. I didn't realize until I watched it a second time <laughs> that it took place in the 60s. Like, and I think that's owing a lot to Wes Anderson's style. Mm-hmm. So it's it's ah, it's almost like part of it is is like like basic like film school 101 notes made you know into film like oh you want colors that are opposite so they contrast well or just like the idea that you want straight like head-on shots of people or like very flat tracking shots like it all sounds almost really elementary but a person Friday film school is probably not going to make movies that are as good as Wes Anderson's no no probably not um, it's interesting that you mentioned like the contrasting colors and like the basic kind of film school stuff, because one of the things in that same video they were talking about was like the reversal of roles, like in other films and like dramas and things like that uh, plays, you've got like the microcosm reflecting the macrocosm, like the, the small mm. inner world reflecting the outer world. Yeah. But what they were mentioning was kind of like a reflection of that where you have like the little world like literally of the children and the young people reflecting Mm -hmm. like the older world and vice versa yeah in their words they were like children act like adults and adults act like children (laughs) yeah moonrise kingdom is a perfect example of that oh yeah because these are kids they're like 12 years old i think and they're just like they're like in love and they're just like escape to the woods together and they're, they're just hanging out whereas every adult on their island is just like losing their minds <laughs> and freaking out trying to find them and track them and everything like that it's like not that the kids were even intending to cause any disturbance they were just like mm. acting acting as they felt and 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 everyone is losing their minds over it it's incredible and another thing like that is when they find that the boy who was a scout has escaped the scout camp. They go into his tent and look around and then pull the flap down and then discover that a hole is in the side of the tent. (laughs) Which is ridiculous because he could just go out the front of the tent. It's not like he was trapped in there. Stealthier. They won't notice it. They're not expecting it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But the fact that a that hole was there and b they didn't realize that he had escaped until they saw the hole (laughs) it's like everyone's kind of a step behind (laughs) but that makes it exciting yeah it's like an alien watched two normal people interact and then tried to reproduce it (laughs) it's not that i think wes anderson is weird or or like non-social or doesn't understand people i think like that's just the way his movies go Mm -hmm. so i haven't seen a lot of wes anderson movies i think i might have seen Mm -hmm. a total of two maybe and in that video compilation explaining what goes into a wes anderson movie they show some of the clips from other movies yeah like uh, i think one was the royal tenenbaums yep and the one character is is like how long have you been smoking for it's like 22 years and her mother's (laughs) like well, why don't you? It's just like, I want you to stop or something like that. It's just like so <laughs> discon. Like, I don't remember the exact line. It's much funnier. So muted. Yes. And it's like, well, you, sh- you should stop doing that. 
<laughs> like, like in contrast to like, like people being like, "What you've been smoking this whole time? Yeah, and you have to. It's gonna kill you." It's just like, well, well, you shouldn't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, and there were there were other lines that were just like unintentionally humorous because they don't carry the the weight because of the the deadpan delivery. <laughs> this is my adopted daughter, Margot. <laughs> she put on a play when she was seven, and and. And then she was like, Dad, what do you think? And he's like, I didn't think the characters were very realistic. And, like, <laughs> and it's like a play where a bear shoots a zebra and there's like a duck yeah, watching or something. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's just one man's opinion. And it's just like someone's complete lack of... <sighs> un- like kids are just little adults mm-hmm. in most Wes Anderson movies. Yeah. And everybody plays by the rules of this weird social game no one gets upset <laughs> except for bill murray and rushmore when his kids lock lock him out of his car i'm learning that i should watch some of these movies i may not enjoy <laughs> them but i'm learning that i should at least give them a you shot watch, you should watch all of them awesome. <laughs> you should watch all of them with me <laughs> okay i mean i'll i'll go for the latter half of that plan okay so i have a quote here from the man himself okay Ooh. where he talks about how it's like like he's he's very character first, not um, narrative first. Mm-hmm. He says every movie I've done is this accumulation of information about these characters, who they are, what the world is, and slowly figuring out what's going to happen to them. So so it's just like presenting you with with characters as they are and how they act in the world and and the plot kind of it might happen. If... Wait, what? Okay. <laughs> This definitely has nothing to do with preparing for a Pathfinder campaign. Hear me out. Hear me out. All right. So, All right. so Wes Anderson, yep. he's like, you know what? This would be a really cool character. Mm. I'm going to make this character. I'm going to yeah. think about their backstory. I'm going to think about their motivations. I'm going to build this character. Cool. I'm going to put this character aside. I'm going to make another character. And then eventually he's like, oh, I guess I'm going to make a movie. Well, I've got this world. I've got these characters. What? Uh, I mean, this doesn't quite work. Let's make them like a, f- a family. Okay, yeah, they're a family now. Oh, but there's going to be a lot of conflict here. That's going to be really weird. Yeah, that's fine. Let's do that. <laughs> and just like, he's he's like, all, all right, like, what what is everybody going to do today? He's like, uh, you're going to escape from the tent. And yeah. you can't use the flap. It's like, okay. Cut him <laughs> I don't know. Just thought. There's clearly not within the story of the world, but from like a meta perspective or like by the the gods of the world that the characters inhabit in the film, there's clearly a lot of restrictions that have been imposed on everyone's life just by the nature of the way the film goes. And I think that makes it super interesting to watch. Like I was reading on our, what's Anderson? People were talking about Isle of Dogs and they mm-hmm. were like, Talking about it's like I don't I can't stand the like the little awkward pauses <laughs> in between everybody's dialogue and like he does that in every movie. People always like wait a beat while they absorb <laughs> something that someone else has just said and then come back with something witty. Fantastic Mr. Fox has an even more surreal moment or moments like that where there will be that beat mm-hmm. and then there will be a beat where they're like acting like animals. Yeah. 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 He sits down to dinner at the table yes. with a sack of toast and like 
puts the napkin in and yeah. then just yeah but there's like that <laughs> that pause in between too you're like oh okay this is gonna get awkward and then it gets more yeah. awkward <laughs> awkwardness intensifies i feel like we're we're pretty much in the why right now oh it's absolutely the, yeah oh, get awesome awesome it. cool cool why? there's a whole article on a site called eater oh no about the the meals of Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson's greatest meals, something like that. And it's basic premise. It's basic thesis was that Wes Anderson seems to put a lot of like really plot important, pithy moments at dinner tables where people are eating and talking and like having these exchanges that are like supercharged. And I, I feel like that's, I mean, a very small part of the why, like, cause everybody has varying levels of serious conversation around food yeah so it's something that's like immediately recognizable and immediately you can like maybe not see yourself as any of his characters but like put yourself into a similar sort of situation i mean one of the things mentioned from that that video about what makes a wes anderson movie is like dysfunctional and fractured family relationships and when you're <laughs> mentioning food i was thinking is it the food or is it that you know it's a it's a very common family activity to like sit around the dinner table to eat because that's one of the few moments where families are families like the communal sitting around the dinner table aspect of things yeah and then that's when all the crap hits the fan because that's when everyone's together because when they're not together Mm -hmm. they can do whatever they they want yeah i guess related to that one of the things that people might relate to is when you show off so many different kinds of conflict when you show off the various flaws and dysfunctions of different family structures you can probably find bits that you can relate to in your own life yeah even if you have a like a perfect family because i'm going to be completely honest having not seen a lot of wes anderson movies i always just assume that oh it's like a weird artsy movie Hmm. like and to be honest when the people that are usually talking very fondly of wes anderson movies that i hear are the two of you and i'm like okay so it's some weird artsy movie i got this (laughs) but when i was watching that video they did a very good job of describing like the kinds of probably things that i would really admire if i were to go and watch a bunch of these movies because they talk about these moments that are this sharp contrast between like pithiness and like uh sincerity and heart but also like strange detachment and awkwardness and I'm like, well, actually, that sounds like something that I'd really enjoy. So not having seen the movies, that seems like a good reason why somebody might be interested in that. Yeah. Because there are those moments of, of connection between the characters and relation between the person watching the film and like the events transpiring in the film. People are having very earnest conversations in a non-earnest way. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. That's basically what's going on. <laughs> And one of the things that I was wondering, and uh, since the two of you have both seen more films than I have, and gee, since I would go out on a limb and say that you are a fan of Wes Anderson films. I've been unmasked. I've been <laughs> unmasked. Just, it's just your face on a mask that you've taken off. That's right. Oh boy. I feel like that's something out of one of those movies. I can kind of understand how people would appreciate seeing a movie that has that like earnestness when people are not being earnest. But from the like two movies that I've seen... They also seem kind of similar in the way that the stories unfold and how the stories are told. What is it that brings, in particular, the two of you back to Wes Anderson movies? Because, like, when we enjoy movies, we like seeing things that are familiar to us. But 
Nobody wants to see the land before time 28. <laughs> yeah. So you have something or should I? Uh, <laughs> I mean, like there's I, I a lot of what I, I mean, it seems. I can put you guys on the spot in other ways. It's fine. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. no. I'll, I just, I'll, I'll, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was just going to say there are probably many different reasons why people are into it. I feel like for me, it's, it is kind of like this dreamy sort of feel to it but unlike uh other directors david lynch yeah i was about to say who make very dreamy feeling pictures wes anderson's are more like pleasant fever dreams <laughs> sometimes like I, i'm thinking particularly of life aquatic with steve zizou and the one scene where like i think they're they're rating jeff goldblum's characters compound or something or they're like rushing in and it's just it's really bizarre even for a Wes Anderson movie because the way I remember it is that it's cut really strangely and like it feels like the movie is showing you what they're planning while they're still planning it but then it, like they're actually doing it I mean it's been a while since I've seen the movie but it just they're movies that leave a strong impression on you okay fun fact mm. before I toss it over to G uh, Life Aquatic with Steve Sisu is I think the only one of Wes Anderson's movie that is rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. Hmm? I'm gonna be honest, I still don't quite get it. <laughs> I've seen it a couple times now, and I'm still not sure that I get it. It might be peak Wes Anderson weirdness, but but to quote Roger Ebert, "The Life Aquatic does so many things. Does it also have to work as well?" <laughs> uh... But like, okay, so come back to Wes Anderson movies. Yes, a lot of his characters are similar. Like, Bill Murray plays a similar character in most of the movies, I would say. But, like, I really, really love the dry sense of humor that it has. Yeah. And the way it's shot works into that. And I would call some of the camera work almost conversational. Because mm. someone could be sitting there concocting a big plan. Like, okay, we're going to do this and this and this. And then someone just to one side of the person who's talking to everyone could be like, are you guys really going to do that? And the camera doesn't change to a different shot. It just like peeks over to the person who said that. Oh yeah. And then peeks back for the response. And that feels like very conversational to me. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the opposite of all his like, like symmetry and tracking shots and stuff. It's just <laughs> like, Oh yeah. Up a little bit of that uh, track. Yeah, sure. Down on, on my track. I don't know. But anyway, anyway, your mention of the conversational camera just got me thinking of like other sources, including that video, you know, it's a Wes Anderson movie, if dot dot dot, um, mentioned that like part of his style seems to be kind of like an awareness that what he is making is a produced film because he'll have those tracking shots that will like take you through sets that gives them the feel that they're just like big dioramas or he'll have the classic production within a production uh -huh. like the the play serpico in rushmore or margot's play in the royal tannenbaums or when they're they're because they're shooting a documentary in the life aquatic yeah 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 when yeah, yeah, yeah. when i saw that in that explainer video i was just like i feel like i should love wes anderson movies because <laughs> i like i just love when things are meta like <laughs> <laughs> breaking the fourth wall is fun but like there's nothing greater than like when the movie explains itself in a way that is so transparent 
I haven't seen a lot of Quentin Tarantino movies, hmm. but I think Pulp Fiction they do that on a few occasions. Yeah, they describe like some artifacts hmm. of like filmmaking and what they're called, and ah. then they highlight them. It's like, oh, what's a cigarette butt? It's like, oh, you know, it's like in the film where there's that little like circle or splotch where the ash from the whatever. And I'm like, that's just fun. It's, it's like fun when that's brought out, especially when it's done in a meaningful way. And I get the impression that that happens a lot in like Wes Anderson films because they can explain something that's going on in the story through the play yeah in a very obvious way it's not like oh this is subtle this is this is allegory this is metaphor like we can just like I don't know if it gets there so like it's been a while since I've seen the canon of Wes Anderson movies but like I feel like the, the it's play just nine movies play. it's not canon it's just nine <laughs> movies that's all he's done <laughs> I think that the play within in a play uh, kind of stuff that he does, um, I, I agree with that video a little bit, actually, where it's it's more about showing the character's extreme attention to detail that he also shares. So I guess it does in that way. But particularly about the conversational camera, I just wanted to say that I think that also adds to like the self-aware theatricality of the movies. It, it feels like you're watching a play. It does feel like you're watching a play. No one would ever... I don't think I want to talk to the camera in a Wes Anderson movie. No. But like part of it is like characters having these really weird quirks and owning them so honestly, mm-hmm. like without a hint of, oh man, this is a silly thing <laughs> that's happening. That never happens. Yeah. The characters just are my favorite in Life Aquatic. When uh, Steve Zissou meets Owen Wilson, his long lost son, Ned, <laughs> and he says, I would have called you Kingsley. <laughs> that makes me laugh so hard every time because why would you call anyone Kingsley? I mean, never explained. You would call them Kingsley because they were literally supposed to be king. That's why they named him that way. <laughs> He's not like I was a fan of, of the writer Kingsley Amos or hmm? anything like that. Just like. Just that little thing is, it's just out there and he doesn't, he's got no problem with it. And because of this um, very stilted way that people talk to each other, like 90% of Orson's movies are just dialogue. That when someone actually does something, it's it's almost hilarious in addition to being thrilling. Like in, in Grand Budapest Hotel, if you haven't seen the scene, I don't know if you can picture it accurately, but it's like, okay, one person punches another person in the face. The person being punched in the face is dead on symmetrical classic Wes Anderson. They get punched in the face and go down. Then it switches to the person who did the punching, and then someone punches them in the face, and then it goes back <laughs> to that person. Make it, but like it, like it's done in such basic way, but it's hilarious. It's, I, <laughs> uh, my sense of humor gels with Wes Anderson a lot. Yeah. I love the dryness of it. Yeah. For somebody who has, I want to say, no British heritage, it is kind of a very British sense of humor, a British sensibility. I would agree with that. Is there a Wes Anderson movie that you do not like? I, If he only made one movie and it was Bottle Rocket, <laughs> I'd like it a lot. But it's not as good as any of his other movies because it was his first. Mm-hmm. However, 
bottle rocket introduced the world to Owen Wilson. Yes. Really? Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson co-wrote it. Owen Wilson originally did not want to act in the movie. Wow. And Wes Anderson convinced him. <laughs> so you're welcome. Yeah. Apparently they were friends in uh, university. Yep. And apparently they became friends because Owen Wilson just acted like they were friends. <laughs> And somehow that it works. No, he's got yeah. that's that's yeah. how you do it. <laughs> yeah, you want to be a you want to be a sociopath, like <laughs> yeah. Oh, just like Wilson being a just sociopath, ask people for small uh, favors, just like <laughs> just treat them like your friend, and then one day it's it's just true by now. Hey. Of course, yeah. yeah. Oh boy. One thing I found out: Luke Wilson was already in some stuff by then. Mm-hmm. Luke Wilson and Owen Wilson are the stars of Ball Rocket. Luke Wilson was already in some stuff by then, but I learned that Luke Wilson is actually the younger brother. Huh. I can believe that. Youngest or No. Okay. This isn't the Murray family here. <laughs> <laughs> well there is there is a third uh Wilson brother and he is also Andrew in that Wilson. movie. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well yeah. I've been proven wrong. As future man. What what? <laughs> Guys, yeah. stop. For no reason at no. all, there's just a character named Future Man in this movie that is totally set in the present nineteen ninety six, I think. Yeah, like it was. It's like a fun little movie, and like you get to see the the beginning of it. But we recently rewatched all of the Wes Anderson movies leading up to I Love Dogs coming out, and I think it's just because that was the first one, and it's like I know the ones that are coming, and so I was like, eh. One of the big things that sets Bottle Rocket apart, and like to answer your question, T, really, really quickly, I don't, I don't think I've watched a Wes Anderson movie that I haven't liked. So I even recently rewatched a. Bottle Rocket, <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Like, but I think the reason why it's it's sort of the black sheep is because he doesn't have that uh, that artistic style that is his signature now. In place, it's a movie that looks like it was filmed like any other indie movie. Yeah, and then once you hit Rushmore, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I get it now. Text yeah. on the screen is also a big thing for Wes Anderson. Futura. Yeah. Futura specifically. <laughs> He's always describing stuff and labeling stuff mm-hmm. and giving you context. Lots of overhead shots. Yes. <laughs> I'm thinking of particularly when you go through Max Fisher's like CV at Rushmore and it shows you all the clubs that he's in. Lots of like straight on shots. Yeah. Like when you think about a movie being directed, there's lots of like, oh, I want to show that there's action, there's movement, so I'll do that at this angle. Like, this is from a person who's never taken a filmmaking course in his life. Yep. But like, the things that you convey, and like, the place from the things in a, a scene, but like, a lot of Wes Anderson movies are like, rectilinear. It's like, we're going to go straight overhead. We're going to do straight on. Yeah. Not a lot of angles, not a lot of like, no. it's like, always just like, straight shots. Yeah. We're not going to like, dramatically angled the camera we're just gonna like uh take the dolly and like slide the camera i think this is like getting into my own personal theory of of high ride music just very quickly sure when i have a a loop or or a bass line or a little riff or something like that i feel like if you repeat it it gains power people get used to it and people like this is really cool this sounds really cool and i feel like if you were to take it and then put it in another key or like change something about it that it like lessens the original loop and i think wes anderson does that with a lot of his shots like a lot of locations you don't just see higgledy piggledy i'm thinking of the titular grand budapest hotel for example 
you don't ever see a non-impressive shot of it. <laughs> it's always like towering and in this massive building, huge pink building on the side of a mountain. <laughs> and like that is the image that you're stuck with. And like even even to an extent, the Tenenbaum's house on the Royal Tenenbaum's, you always like get an impression of the scale. Um, big building. Big for, for New York, certainly. Yeah. But like he chooses his shots very carefully and it's like that's the image that you have of that part of the movie. I feel like that that sticks. So we've talked a lot about like Wes Anderson. Like, what is a Wes Anderson, and how do I acquire one? <laughs> yes. Usually, when we talk about different topics, we talk about the fandom. We end up talking a lot about the fans. We end up talking about like, you know, is it curative? Is it transformative? And is it more passive? Is it participatory? All this kind of stuff. And I was wondering, while the two of you were doing research, what you came across in terms of that like fandom element because we can talk at length like why would somebody <laughs> like this but now i'm starting mm-hmm. to think it's like there's obviously a very personal element for like the two of you mm. but i'm wondering where the communal element is because i came up a little bit dry other than the subreddit mm. i don't know i'm kind of drawn a blank there to myself because like there are the subreddits the accidental one and the not so accidental one. Let's be honest. I don't think the accidental subreddit has like <laughs> anything to do with Wes Anderson. It's not very. It's, it's sort of at a remove from, okay. from Wes Anderson. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But a lot of stuff that I was seeing, whether it be like a blog post about why I hate Wes Anderson, or, or like strangely enough, a forum question on Catholic answers. What? Why do people like Wes Anderson? Yeah, I have no uh, idea. Uh, quick, quick introduction. Um, sure. Tyson Chan Chanzina, Tyson Chanzena, uh, thank you for joining us on the stream. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Sorry, Catholic Catholic answers. Yeah, Catholic answers. Basically, all over the internet, there seems to be stuff about Wes Anderson, but like as far as a central community, it doesn't really seem like there is one. I mean, it seemed like a lot of the stuff that I was coming across was people, for the most part, defending. Wes Anderson. I mean, I was looking on Quora. I did a basic uh, Google search and all that stuff. But I didn't come up with, you know, the definitive Wes Anderson forum where Wes Anderson fans talk Wes Anderson (laughs) 24-7. But I kind of have a little bit of a theory about that, though, based on what I found. Mm -hmm. And it's that, unlike other fandoms where there is that sort of hub of community, it's more like I don't know, you get to talking to people about movies and like they mentioned Wes Anderson and maybe it's a little bit more spontaneous community. Like it's something that crops up. You meet a Wes Anderson fan in the wild and you just kind of recognize each other. There's, I don't know, knowing Wink, a line from one of the movies traded back and forth. But like the fact that they were, or at least seemed to be on the defensive so much also gave the impression that a lot of Wes Anderson fans are fairly articulate about why they like it. Because, I mean, I was seeing a range of answers from, like, his style, characters, the weird situations, like, the the wit and the humor. Um, But what I was wondering, and specifically wanted to ask you, G. Oh, man, we're just pointing fingers all over the place on this episode. Unexpected. Is kind of two questions. First question. Does it seem to you like Wes Anderson fans have to defend themselves a lot? Uh, I mean, as I said at the top, I think his style is divisive. Like, you're mm-hmm. going to like it. Some people 
are not going to like it. And what I saw in the, I guess, I guess on home turf in the West Anderson subreddit, people are like, I don't know. I didn't get it. They weren't like, this guy sucks as a director and I don't know why you guys care. It was just like, I didn't get it. Like it was like, it was well typed out. Oh yeah. Had some consideration. Cause I feel like if you're going to post in our Wes Anderson about how you don't like Wes Anderson, <laughs> you come with some arms, but yeah. I feel like in the wild, you're just like, Oh, you know, I'm a person who enjoys some Wes Anderson films and uh, the things in life. But when you, then you see a comment on a video and be like, Oh, people like Wes Anderson are stupid. They don't, they don't get real film or something. Then they come out of the shadows and attack and be like, oh, I have to, he's a genius. And I don't know. I feel the tension because as I was saying, part of it seems really rudimentary about the way that his films are constructed. Like it seems like, of course, and almost duh, but at the same time, there's only one Wes Anderson. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if someone was like, oh, he's just, you know, first year film student or something i get that i get that <laughs> criticism yeah he's my favorite director yeah right now. he's my favorite director but like i i all, all i usually say is like i his sense of humor exactly overlaps mine <laughs> like it's what i want from a movie and he <laughs> delivers it every time yeah so you know you don't have to defend okay Wes Anderson. okay i think he's doing all right yeah. But I get why. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Well, going hand in hand with that question, based on fellow Wes Anderson fans you've met or read the opinions of on the internet, does it seem to you that like it's just that thoughtful, perhaps somewhat uh, introspective people are drawn to Wes Anderson movies? That's hard to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a loaded yeah. question. That's, but yeah. <laughs> Do you yeah. think that um... smart people exclusively watch... <laughs> Uh, Wes Anderson movies and other people are dumb and oh stupid. I will say this. I think there are a lot of people who really like Wes Anderson movies who think that they're very smart. Because okay. it's very obviously on the face of itself not a Hollywood blockbuster. Yeah. It's like you can point and say that is what is that is non-Hollywood or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like you can say like, oh, look, I... I I like better movies because I like Wes Anderson movies, which are clearly not Hollywood blockbusters, which have more thought put into them. Um, so yeah, I, as for as for who they are, I I don't, I can't say. <laughs> I don't want to say. How about that? <laughs> I feel like a lot of the criticism is that a lot of his movies were unfeeling. Yeah, didn't have a lot of emotion in them. Or, like, characters weren't relatable. They weren't, like, empathetic. Yeah. Everyone's talking with their big words and paragraphs and, like, yep. you know. Yeah. E- even in emotional conversations are talking very unemotionally and things like that. So, like, I-, I get that. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of passion in those movies. Mm-hmm. But I think there is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think that it might be time to drop a verdict? <laughs> all right you're making me wish that this was actually like a wes anderson movie because we could have a lot of fun i feel like our episodes would be a lot of fun if they were wes anderson movies that's true so we just need to get some pastel sets and put them behind us and uh... <laughs> and bill murray would be in it <laughs> just be wandering around behind one of us probably
get some George Clooney in there. <laughs> I know he's only man. Well, he'd have to be animated, but yeah. I'm okay with this. <laughs> I'm going to go first. Yeah, go for it. Sure. I think I've pretty much throughout this episode stated my case as to why I love Wes Anderson. <laughs> he's my favorite director. I will see all of his movies as soon as I possibly can. I rewatched all of the movies prior to seeing the new one, and I will do so again for the next one. I am in. The end. <laughs> I think that is the most concise verdict we have ever had. <laughs> I don't know if I can follow on to that level of concision. Is that the, the word? Conciseness? I've said concision before. I, don't, I guess it's conciseness. I, I'd say concision. Yeah. You say evasion, I say evasion. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I guess perhaps of some surprise that I am out, maybe. Hmm. I just am not that into the movies the ones that i've seen haven't had a lot to like really draw me back in and mm-hmm. maybe it was just when i watched the films but i didn't get a lot of attachment to them mm-hmm. and that's important to me something has to have meaning for me to want to latch onto it mm-hmm. and it didn't have any meaning for me maybe there's a shot if i watch some of the new ones probably go see i love dogs and maybe i'll change my opinion of dogs you may, <laughs> you may. yeah so i'm out i would say okay I don't think I'm as big a fan as G. I don't think I'm that in, but almost, almost. Haven't seen Isle of Dogs yet, but somewhat inadvertently, I think I'll probably wind up doing the same thing and watching all of the Wes Anderson movies before going to see that. Because uh, Soph and I recently started to to go through the Wes Anderson movies, coincidentally. Oh. Just saw Bottle Rocket uh, last week and... Rushmore is up this week and like once I got Rushmore I was like man I feel like I could watch this right now I was watching some clips from it yeah as part of the research I was cracking up every every couple seconds they're just quality movies <laughs> and so I've got to say that uh that I'm in too I mean I'm trying to think T speaking specifically about like kind of my own why I think I think timing does play a pretty big part in a lot of different fandoms. And like, you know, when you first encounter something like full disclosure, the movies that I think I remember seeing are Moonrise Kingdom Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Fantastic Mr. Fox. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am not a hundred percent sure about this, Yep, but I'm pretty sure I watched Moonrise Kingdom when G came over sometime when the divorce had not started, but it was, it was like the events leading up to the divorce. Yeah. So like not a good time. Not not a great time yeah, for that. No, I, no. Making you guys watch Moonrise Kingdom is a thing I would definitely do. You definitely I think did that, that is exactly what yeah, you did. You did that. <laughs> I love that movie. And Fantastic Mr. Fox, I loved, but I think it's very different maybe from the other movies. Well, it's based off of a book. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just like... Yeah. No, not at all. Adding on to not that comment. All. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, you're just mentioning timing... Uh, before and now again just has me thinking like what was the first Wes Anderson movie I saw and when did I see it probably the Royal Tenenbaums maybe late in high school early university I don't remember but like I think it just it hit me with its its quirkiness and its dry wits and its colors and symmetry and such just like the perfect moment maybe Royal Tenenbaums 2001 yeah Mm mm-hmm I definitely didn't see it when it came out. I mean, I can tell you that much, but at some point. Anyway, I'm also in. I guess I'm the the big cheese. 
cheese stands alone. <laughs> the cheese stands alone. That's okay because this cheese can get a little bit smelly. And I don't have a follow-up to that. Hey, it's time for a spotlight. <laughs> Better shine a spotlight on it. <laughs> yeah. So. I've been sitting out in the spotlight too long. Got a little bit smelly. I'm the stinky cheese man. I'm waiting for Wes Anderson to make a movie out of that. <laughs> I could not find a spotlight for this week. It's not surprising. Oftentimes when we find giant franchises, it's hard to find a spotlight because we're looking for like a charity or a fun fanish cause and for big things they're like very commercial and similarly for something like wes anderson a very small thing not so easy to find either but i did find something that i think fits into our at least interesting category all right i'm just gonna read the quote and uh i'll describe where you can find it because otherwise it's it's a long url um so this is less of a spotlight and more of an interesting uh, if potentially ill thought out homage to wes anderson films it is called sammy the explorer i don't know if either of you came across this no okay so if you go to vox and look for a charity made a video about a brown child being entranced by magical white men uh and this is the quote from the article charities hurley h2o and surveyed samba decided to promote their clean water charity project with a video shot in the style of filmmaker wes anderson Uh, The video is narrated by a cheerful young Indonesian boy who discovers on his home island's beach some white male surfers whom he watches in amazement until the surfers come to his village to install clean drinking water. Apparently there are some bits of that that uh, maybe don't uh, scan so well, maybe are a little bit tone deaf. Hmm. But that was the closest thing that I could find to an interesting spotlight without just being, hey look, it's accidental Wes Anderson. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's okay. Yeah. You know, sometimes we roll the spotlight dice and uh, you roll a one. Yep. You roll one. Yep. yep. Just got to pick it up and roll it again next time. Yep. <laughs> okay. This is, of course, Phanthropological. All of the episodes you can find at com free of charge. And uh, if you would like to, you know, subscribe and give us a rating review in the podcatcher of your choice, we would very much appreciate that. If you have any ideas for fandoms that uh, you'd like to see us cover, please email us, nick at the nickscast.com. And this podcast is Phanthropological, but the three of us are the Nixcast, and you can find us on the internet pretty much everywhere at the Nixcast. Just Google it. You'll find us. And choose the uh, social media platform of your choice. Mm-hmm. And speaking of social media platforms, currently we're live streaming this podcast on one. That's right. We're here streaming live on twitch.tv slash the Nixcast, and this is where you can come pretty much every week, uh, let's say about uh, (laughs) 40-some weeks in a year, uh, to watch us record this thing live. That's right. You can come here at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. You want to check out that Twitter uh, at the Nixcast to find out exactly what day of the week. It shuffles around a little bit, scheduling... uh, Three people and sometimes four or five is not always easy, but usually Mondays, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Always 8 p.m. Eastern time. <laughs> always. You're going to regret saying that. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Oh probably. But that is when you can come to twitch.tv slash the next cast to watch us record this thing live. And why might you do that? Aside from 
fulfilling some sort of technicolor fever dream? Well, you might do it so that you can listen in while we're actually putting this thing together before any sort of edits take place and huge chunks go missing or (laughs) swear words get bleeped out or anything like that. So if you want to see the uncensored, uncut version of this podcast, you got to come to these live tapings. Yeah. Poopy fart butts. (laughs) Bleep that out. No, I'm kidding. But if you're here watching us record this thing live, you can also participate. Uh, You can say hi to us in the chat like Tyson Chonzina did. Uh, You can chime in with questions you might have, answers to questions that we ask each other. They're also entirely being asked to the chat as well. But perhaps most importantly, you can also chime in with something you want us to research for next week's topic. You can throw your question into the ring for the famous last words. That's right. And speaking of famous last words, and this is probably the most perfect tie-in that we have ever had with regard to famous last words. Next week on our podcast, on our live recording, we will be doing as our fandom near, near far, wherever you are, we'll be talking about (laughs) near. And Celine Dion. Yeah. And Celine Dion, the video game series. And not only that, we will have a special guest. We will have cosplayer and streamer, SM Zelda Rules joining us. So that should be a lot of fun. What are your famous last words about Nier? What are we going to research about so that we come to the podcast and SM Zelda Rules like, y'all don't know what are, what are we going to What are we going to learn? Ooh. All right. Did I set the bar too high? I can lower it. It's very easy to lower. <laughs> you have little pins. You can remove them just so you can. <laughs> I, think, I think the bar is good where it is. Okay. I'm going to make a statement. I... I'm going to go way out on a limb. Oh, boy. So fragile, so thin. Fall to my, hopefully not to my death. Let's let's find out. Please don't. <laughs> I'm going to say that the popularity of Nier is as small as it is because it came out on the PlayStation after Sony had disrupted the previous Nintendo-based gaming monoculture. That is... You are... Okay. <laughs> this slim is not very not very supportive. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yep, we're going to have something with that. I have a simpler question. <laughs> this is because I don't know. Okay. Already I know a little bit of too much. And that is... I know that near. And Near Automata, which is the game that we're going to play tomorrow, and Drakengard 3 are all connected. Hmm. I know that Drakengard 3, or Drakengard 2, or one of the Drakengards, is in like a medieval world, and Near oh. is a bunch of robots. <laughs> I want to know what the f Near? <laughs> How did you go from dragons to robots? Admittedly, that's just a history question. I'm definitely going to find out, but I want to know how it happens. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. So, according to my little, what I'm looking up here, the game has sparked the release of several albums. Ooh. I want to know why there are more albums than games. Hmm. All right. We'll keep an eye on the chat 
after the stream. And if you do have any famous last words, we'll do our best to do the research you know, before the episode starts. So just drop stuff in the chat for the next, like, let's say five minutes or so. And uh, if you do that, we'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. But that's it for today. That's it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Until next time, we'll talk to you next time. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Bye-bye. Goodbye.